This is episode 288 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of Two Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know, if you're pregnant and want step-by-step guidance on how to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, how to prepare mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing, how to have your partner feel confident to support you during birth, and how to navigate a smoother postpartum recovery, my Bump to Birth Method online program is available for you to join. It's three programs in one, covering pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery, plus you get lifetime access to the program content and bonuses. Bump to Birth Method is my on-demand, self-paced online program where you can learn from the comfort of your own home through video and audio lessons on how to best connect to your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy beyond traditional Kegels, strategies to help common pregnancy pains and pelvic floor symptoms, my top strategies to prepare your mind, body, and pelvic floor for labor, how to best support you and your pelvic floor during pushing, key strategies for your partner to support you during labor, and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum. Bonuses include expert interviews, core and pelvic floor yoga class, three strength training workouts, hospital and home birth bag lists, meditation tracks for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum recovery. Whether you're preparing for your first or fifth birth, if you're ready to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, feel fully prepared mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum recovery then head to the show notes or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to see what other expecting moms have said about bump to birth and to enroll today. So welcome back to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And on today's episode, I have a very special guest, Shoshana Barr-Stanton, who will be sharing her pregnancy and birth story. And we always hear from our listeners how helpful it is to hear those birth stories. And Shoshana is sharing one that we haven't had before because she gave birth to twins. So I highly recommend sticking around and listening, even if you're not preparing to give birth to twins, because she'll be sharing really helpful information about preparing for birth and about birth itself. And Shoshana always wanted to have a family of her own, but as she uh, hadn't found her chosen partner yet in her late 30s, she reconciled that it might not happen. And then in her early 40s, she met the man she knew she wanted to have a family with, and they worked toward it diligently and ultimately conceiving with IVF. 
So pregnant with twins in her early 40s, she realized she would have to focus on taking care of her body even more than before. And so she joined Bump to Birth as a key piece of that personal care and birth and postpartum prep. And she gave birth to her twins at 33 and five weeks. And they're now five months, which I'm just like, I can't believe that much time has gone, uh, I know. gone by. So that's awesome. So I'm so excited to dive into that today. And thank you, Shoshana, for being on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you for asking me to be here. Yeah. I'm excited to be able to share and chat. Amazing. Amazing. So yeah. How, um, how did you feel throughout your pregnancy? I know we connected kind of later in your pregnancy. Um, but yeah, how did it kind of feel from the start and throughout kind of physically, mentally, emotionally? Overall, it was good. Um, physically, I had like some of those initial first trimester symptoms. I kind of felt like sub-level sick the whole time, like not actively sick. Um, I did not enjoy it. I would say like while I was pregnant, I was like, I don't really understand why people like this um, <laughs> or some people. Mentally, it was kind of rough because with the IVF journey, we just didn't know. So we'd actually mm -hmm. done like four rounds of IVF of the tested embryos. So we tested like, I don't remember how many, like 17 embryos and only one of them was genetically good. And so on this last round, I decided we would just do a fresh implant at day three instead of taking it to genetic testing. Mm -hmm. Thinking, you know, we had like a 50-50 chance that one would take and whatever. Mm -hmm. And two did. And so the whole time I'm excited, but I'm also super nervous because I don't know if it's going to last. And mm -hmm. I would say that was definitely one of the mentally hardest parts um, of the pregnancy, which I'm sure basically all women go through. Um, just having gone through the IVF and having everything be so tenuous with, you know, what people say about when you're older and you, and you are pregnant and have babies and stuff like that. And, like there's so much more chance for things to go wrong. Um, it definitely put me on tilt. And so I was able to do some like mental preparation and some learning, but I really wasn't able to get more than like a week or two ahead of where I was to learn and prepare what was coming next. Mm -hmm. So I was super excited to find your program because I, I knew like, I'm a very big person about like being prepared and having what I, what I feel are like really good supports in place. And so I really like I jumped on the opportunity after I like discovered you on I think it was Instagram. Yeah. Um, jumped on the opportunity to get a little bit more in depth with you in the in the course. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah, amazing. I came out so many different yeah like emotions that as you kind of went through each trimester as well. Like, did you find did you know many others who were expecting twins or who were going through IVF at the same time as well? What was interesting about the twin part is as I like, so, we, you know, we didn't really share within the first like 16 weeks, I would say, because really no idea what's going to happen. And then after that started sharing more with friends. And it was really funny because I kind of feel like twins aren't that common, but then like everyone I talked to had like a second degree friend that had twins or like an acquaintance I knew that had twins. And they're like, oh, do you remember this person? Reach out to them. And so it really was a cool community to get tapped into. Um, I would say that um, just like the personal connections and reaching out to people and reconnecting and asking for advice and all that kind of stuff. And then also looking on Facebook. Facebook has like mm -hmm. amazing communities. And so I found some for twins and I found some for like 40, you know, over 40 going to have a baby. I found all sorts of things for that kind of support as well. 
Um, but yeah, so the twin part for sure, the IVF part, especially because it was during still like some active COVID, it mm -hmm. wasn't really like, enough, there wasn't really an opportunity to like get to know people because you're sitting there in your mask and you're not really chit chatting with anyone else who's in the clinic with you. And so mm -hmm. that was a little, that was, that was hard. I would say like, I'm sure it would have been nice to be able to interact a bit more because um, mm -hmm. I had known people who had done IVF and I actually had gotten a recommendation for a couple different doctors to go see through those people. So mm -hmm. that was, that was good, but it wasn't, there was no one going through at the same time as me. Mm -hmm. And so it was, luckily my, I had my partner because I wouldn't have done it without him because we really wanted to make this a partnership. And so he was there with me through all of the jabs and all of that stuff. And yeah, yeah so we got yeah. through it. Yeah. And how is it in terms of how did you end up choosing your care provider? Like, did you, did you kind of meet with a few different ones or yeah, how did you come to that decision? Yeah. So for the IVF piece, I had been thinking about it for, I think it, I would say at least a year. So I had done some research about mm -hmm. some of the local clinics and I had, um, luckily in the Bay Area, we have lots of great places available. So that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd gone to a couple like intros, virtual intros and that sort of thing. Um, ultimately, I went with the recommendation from a friend. So my coverage, I have an HMO um, and I think they're great for most things, but my coverage doesn't cover any sort of fertility and fertility treatment. And so I decided I'm not going to just because I go to them for the doctor, I'm not going to just automatically go to them for fertility. So I ended up going to UCSF. And went with their the head of the program that was recommended for my other friend who had used her. Um, and um, she was fantastic. Like, she was amazing. She was so flexible and, like, really grounded. And for being someone as expert as she was, she was just really, like, just a real person. And, like, you could have a conversation with her. And so every time that we tried something different mm -hmm. she was flexible with it and she was like well we can try this and she was giving all sorts of her expert opinion but she wasn't like trying to push any agendas mm -hmm. so I found that really important yeah because we ended up going through more than one round mm -hmm. yeah and so then she stayed with you then throughout like she was your care provider for birth and that as well or did that kind of shift with the team so that was kind of yeah. the awkward part is I shifted yeah. from the fertility. And once I was pregnant, um, mm -hmm. they stayed with me for like the, they, I mean, they were actively telling me we're here whenever you need us. Mm -hmm. um, but we, after like the first part of the first trimester, it really transitioned into my typical healthcare provider. So I went mm -hmm. to, went to that HMO for um, all of my prenatal and postnatal and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And how did you find, how were things with preparing for birth? I know we connected through bump to birth. So I think it's great to hear, you know, listeners love to hear like, what are the different things you did to prepare? What was helpful? Um, even, you know, some people are surprised. They, they feel they're going to learn a lot from their care provider about all the steps to do with birth and all the pieces. And for so many reasons, that doesn't necessarily happen. So kind of were you expecting kind of more guidance that way or kind of, yeah, that bigger piece of how did you prepare for the twins? Yeah. So my care provider was lovely. She was actually mm -hmm. a woman that had had twins like 12 years prior. Oh, um, yeah. And so that was a nice connection. Um, but she, and she was very practical and I appreciated mm -hmm. that. Um, but she wasn't really like, 
there was no holistic nature to it. It was just very mm -hmm. much like, this is the medical stuff and like anything else, like don't worry about because there's no like clinical evidence for it, basically. Mm -hmm. Like you can't yeah. use that as, so like, for example, when I lost my mucus plug, I actually had met with her the next day and I, and I wasn't sure if it was the mucus plug. I thought it was. And she's like, and I showed her a picture and she's yeah. like, well, you know, even if it is, there's no clinical um, diagnosis basically for when that happens and for when birth happens. So mm -hmm. it's really like, doesn't really matter kind of is what right. she was saying. Yeah. And uh, I respect that, but also I like kind of more holistic um, mm -hmm. viewpoints. And so I think that's why I draw in experts like you. And I had just mm -hmm. recently at that point connected with a doula. And, um, so brought in my other experts to kind of give mm -hmm. me a bit more of a holistic view of it. Mm -hmm. Um, cause Western medicine is amazing, but it's not the end all be all right. There's so much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what did you find for movement? What was helpful to kind of do throughout pregnancy or kind of what did you learn that maybe you hadn't done like pre-pregnancy? I am a pretty lazy person. I'll just call myself out. <laughs> um, I, um, have overall been, been like lucky to have a pretty, pretty solid, strong body, but I'm, I used to do weightlifting a number of years ago, but then with COVID, I stopped going to that gym. And so through COVID, I didn't really do much of anything. Yeah. And, um, I had an idea that like with pregnancy, I was going to need to be in better shape, but I didn't have as much of an idea <laughs> of what yeah. I would need to, to do. Um, so honestly, I didn't do that much. Mm -hmm. I kind of, I, I took on more of like the, not so much the workout side of things, more like the physiology of things, like more like, mm -hmm. how do I gently care for my body? Like, okay, roll over this way. And like, yeah. how do I deal with the weight as opposed to maybe doing more strength training or um, yeah. cardio, which was important, but obviously strength training cardio is key as well. Mm -hmm. um, I actually just to put this in here, I think yeah. that someone should create a um, post, uh, like basically like, how do you carry your child? Like after they're outside of your body, mm -hmm. like how do you do it in a healthy way? Because mm -hmm. they can weigh a lot um, yes. and yeah. you get some practice from carrying that weight inside of you, but it's just yeah. not the same. So yeah. there's a lot of opportunity for, mm -hmm. for like growth and, and strength and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that the biggest thing that I got for me was mm -hmm. the breathing from, mm -hmm. from your course really, yeah. um, was how to connect with the breath because I'd never thought about it that way with the, the, the core canister and like, yeah. which way do you relax and which way do you, do you tighten and all that kind of stuff. And I think that was super key in just mm -hmm. my overall connection with my body and ability to just kind of be with this, the changes that were happening. Yeah, totally. I think that's so good to bring up because it, it's true. Like exercise is one part of things, but it's the, that's like one little part of your day. Whereas the turning in bed and the breathe, like there's so many parts of our day that tapping in. So I love teaching those little strategies throughout your day. Cause that really adds up in the end. So I remember you were saying about totally. like the breathing of like, take note, like pausing, take those time to practice the different types of breathing that we went over. And cause had you really learned to connect to the pelvic floor before pregnancy or was that something kind of new for a lot of people? It is new, um, in pregnancy. It was, I would say other than just like the cursory, like do your Kegels, like tighten mm -hmm. your, your 
your, I guess, your vaginal area. Like I yeah. never thought about the pelvic floor, including the rectum and like just being this whole thing. I just thought about yeah. it as like being related to the, to the vaginal opening. And mm-hmm. so I had just like a very little piece of the puzzle before yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. And then kind of bringing it all together. And how is it, mm-hmm. um, with in terms of the different pieces even your partner learning about birth because we have that whole partner labor prep section um how did you find in terms of kind of going through that together or like how did he feel being prepared to support you so um i honestly did not prepare enough for the possibility of premature birth Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't really prepare at all for the possibility yeah. of premature birth. Um, yeah. I didn't have any of the, like, I didn't have, um, the gestational diabetes. I didn't have preeclampsia. I didn't have any of those things. Everything was going great. Right. Mm-hmm. And so at 32 weeks, I wasn't thinking, oh, like with twins, it could, mm-hmm. I knew it could happen sooner, but I was like, we're making it to 38 weeks. It's not going to be an issue. Like, yeah, yeah. which in hindsight is, is very naive. <laughs> but it, because... if no one talks about it though, that's the thing, right? Like if you're, it sounds like, did your care provider bring up kind of it being possibly that early? Um, you know, I'm sure she mentioned it, but we didn't go in depth on it. We didn't yeah. like because everything else, everything else was like going along as you would expect. Yeah. Um, no one was like, oh, this is something that we should prepare for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you should yeah. be prepared. But also there's only yeah. so much mental capacity one yes. has at any point. And mm-hmm. I really found that I only had enough mental capacity to like prepare just for the pregnancy part, not even for the birth part. Like yeah. I was like, I was like, I'll get there like a couple yeah. weeks before maybe. Yeah. Which I didn't get a chance to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. 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 The yeah. preparation for those kind of things wasn't there. Yeah. So I would have loved to, I actually went into labor, I think before session seven, I think yeah. was session seven, which is like yeah. preparing your partner. Yeah. Yeah. So super bummed. I missed that. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> but overall we had a really yeah. good experience we had good support from the doula um yes yes yeah yeah that made a huge difference um even though we only had her for like a week or two before the uh, actual labor um and pregnant and and birth but um yeah having that support made a big difference because she came and she was like there like huddle up with us like our coach you know and yeah yeah yeah, I think it's great for people to hear how um, how did you end up choosing your doula and did you have kind of one session or two sessions kind of before and I know with it being a bit earlier you may not have there may have been another session closer to but even for for others to hear just kind of how you came to that decision with her and and then when we get into the birth we'll hear about kind of how she supported you. Yeah, yeah, it was hard to choose for sure. There's a couple different. Um, I did, I did my like, you know, usual internet research for like doulas and like reviews, excuse me, and that sort of thing. And there's a couple organizations locally that are like doula groups. Mm -hmm. And so I looked into those and I started like reaching out to them, basically reaching out to them. Some of them have bios for their doulas online that you can look at. Some of them, they'll connect you up and like do like a matchmaking thing. And so I just 
looked at a number of those and we interviewed a few doulas as well. Um, and I wanted my partner to feel comfortable and supported because uh, some, some people say you can think about doulas as like, they're actually there to support your partner who's there to support you. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that the connection was there for him as well. Um, and so we did interviews with a number of doulas and ultimately mm-hmm. like, and asked all sorts of things, right? Like, how do you work with hospital staff? Like, um, what's your, what's your like experience with twins or with births and like that sort of thing. And like, um, how do you integrate all sorts of different sensory things? Like all those kinds of things yeah. that were, that I knew of. And then there was plenty of stuff I didn't right? but so yeah. ask those in the interviews and then based on the answers and based on just overall the, the connection and how we responded to each other. Cause we did zoom interviews. So it was yeah. nice to at least kind of get to know them. Yeah. Um, we chose, we chose a woman, Brett, who, um, hadn't done a, a twin birth before, but she had a good friend who had, and the woman who ran the program that she worked for had mm-hmm. twins. And so she had resources and overall mm-hmm. we just connected with her well and mm-hmm. her outlook on things and in her attitude and her, um, like her view on like supporting the partner and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's ultimately why we chose her. Amazing. No, I think that really helps others to hear just kind of how you came that, to that decision and that how you're saying like you can interview them, right. And you can ask questions and you're really kind of choosing that doula to be a part of your team so that, um, they, they work with your preferences. They work with how you and partner were totally, yeah. going into birth. So amazing. So why don't we, let's, let's dive into how the twins came on this side in terms of earth side. So <laughs> yeah. How did, I remember you messaged me that you're like, kind of, it was like, I think it was the day before you were like, I think, I think this is all happening. So yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to make the next class. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I totally understandable. Yeah. (laughs) Going in from the doula actually. So I had just met with the doula on Wednesday night. So this is the end of October. And we had kind of talked about like what to expect, like what to expect as like potential pre-labor symptoms. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned one that I'd never heard of. Um, and later that night, I previously had been relatively constipated, not terribly constipated, but later that night had much more fluid, like not liquid, but much more fluid bowel movement. And Mm -hmm. she had mentioned to me just a couple hours earlier that because your body can be flushing itself out to be ready to give birth, that you can have diarrhea before Mm -hmm. labor. And so that was like, okay, well, I had just lost what I think might've been my mucus plug the day before. And now I'm having this symptom. I'm like, okay, we are at just under 33 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, just keeping an eye on things basically. And then the next night at around 11 PM, I had a huge blood clot pass mm-hmm. and labor and delivery. I have to say my experience with labor and delivery here was amazing. They were always like, don't go to the ER, call us directly. We have parking spots for you. You just come right up and we take care of you. Like no worries. So that was really reassuring. Um, so that's what I did after that, called them, talked to them for a little bit. They're like, you know what, come on in. We're going to, we're going to check you out. So I went in and got admitted and, um, they checked me and I was 90% effaced. Mm -hmm. And 
you talk about there's the three different things to look for, right? There's the effacement, there's the dilation, and there's the station. Mm-hmm. And I would think I was like one one centimeter dilated, mm-hmm. um, but I was ninety percent effaced. And I was like, that sounds like a lot. Um, <laughs> and um, they thought that I was having um, a bit of a placental abruption, which is when the placenta pulls away from the wall of the uterus. Mm -hmm. And um, so basically they had me on monitoring. So they had all the diodes on me and I had twins. They had to have two and um, watching the contractions and all that. And so I basically over the weekend was just under monitoring. And of course, that was the weekend I was going to have my baby showers. (laughs) And so did not have the baby showers because I was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. we were going to do a zoom one anyways so we did that one so that was nice to see people but it was definitely not the not what we had planned yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and um on monday and so we were they, everyone was doing good everyone was being longer the whole time on monday we had the high risk ob check me out and he said okay you're like three centimeters dilated now um it's definitely a placental abruption like 15% abrupted and I didn't really know much about abruptions um but it was interesting he was basically saying so I had die-die twins they each had their own placenta and one of the placentas was looking what do you say mature so it was looking older um and so that's why there were some calcifications causing it to pull away Mm um and so and Pardon me if I get into the science detail too much. Oh, I just find it fascinating. It. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he recommended um, being induced. And he's like, we should do induction. Let's, you know, what basically like, let's do it today. And um, one thing I had learned from a couple of different people is, you know, always ask in the hospital, is there, are there any other options? And do I have time to think about this? Mm-hmm. So those I think are two so key things because you don't think about it, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what we did. And he's like, you have time, think about it. We'll check in tomorrow. Um, and you know, that's just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had 24 hours to kind of get let the idea sink in that like, okay, we can't put this off. This isn't something that we can just like, hang out in the hospital for a couple of weeks and wait and see what happens with the, uh, with the effacement and with the abruption, it was kind of like, it's basically happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the dilation wasn't really doing its thing on its own, they were saying, let's, let's do some Pitocin. Let's get you induced. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I, I was stable with the boys. The boys were stable. I was stable. And I actually, of course, this was not my birth plan. Um, I actually really wanted to have a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it, honestly, I wanted to try it without any sort of drugs. Um, with twins, there is so much stuff that I didn't realize. So this is actually really key too. Mm-hmm. With twins, even if they're both he- <clears throat> head down, once the first one comes out, there's still a chance that the second one can do something weird, can do some flips, can like when they have more room, they can move around. And then all of a sudden not be in an optimal position. And so the doctor might have to literally reach in and grab them and take them out. And otherwise you have to have a vaginal birth and a C-section, right? And nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that knowledge, it was like, first I was like, okay, I'll get the epidural placed, but not have it in use unless we need it. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was like, well, if we need to reach in and bring out this baby so we don't have to give you a cesarean, um, it's going to have to happen within the minute that the first baby comes out. And we won't know until then. And it takes 15 minutes for the epidural to kick in. So there's no way that you can't have this epidural unless you don't want to have an epidural if I have to reach inside, you know. So it was so many factors and it was very stressful because it was all of these things happening one after the other that was not part of my my ideal plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I knew I wanted to avoid was cascading interventions. Uh, but at the same time, the key thing was having the boys be safe and healthy out here. Mm-hmm. And so that's ultimately what drove my final decision, which was, okay, we'll get the epidural, we'll do the Pitocin, and um, we'll just get the boys out while they're stable, and mm-hmm. and we will do it with a vaginal birth. So we were able to do that. Yeah. Um, so we started the Pitocin at around noon on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and it kicked in, and they do the, the incremental increasing, right? Mm-hmm. It kicked in pretty pretty early but it got to the point around midnight where it was like there were no breaks between um mm-hmm. contractions and that was something that I wish I had the wherewithal to prepare for mm-hmm. I didn't have the doula in the room at that point because she was like just call me whenever but I usually come in when um when you start going into act- active labor so mm-hmm. I was like okay we'll we'll just take care of it for now mm-hmm. but what happened is the Pitocin kicked in to the point where it was just like too much. You want to be having contractions every like, what is it? Two to three minutes, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. was just continual. Yeah. And so it was too much. I was just like, you know what? For, forget it. Get me the epidural now. Mm-hmm. Let's just like, if we're here, let's just do this. Um, of course, the anesthesiologist was in an emergency C-section for two hours and so could not come to me. <laughs> But yeah. then the nurse is like, oh, well, let me turn down the Pitocin while we wait for him. And it was like, I mean, it wasn't okay, but it was much better. Yeah. I was like, I only wish I'd thought to ask her that before. Just like mm-hmm. turn down the friggin' Pitocin and I can keep doing this. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, so that was a big thing I learned, I guess you would say. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know how one, when you're in the thick of it, would really advocate for yourself other than just being super prepared if you're going to get induced or if you mm-hmm. happen prepare for being induced prepare for having an early labor like just okay. even a little bit you know yeah um but then the next morning around 11 the boys were ready and um we got whisked away to the to the OR because with twins you have to be in an OR mm-hmm. and um was able to have them vaginally now the nurses and doctors all did the traditional med- medical thing, which is they're just like, hold your breath, bear down, and like all mm-hmm. that stuff that I know in the courses we talk about, like, let's do the breathing and let's do, ideally, you have um, the opportunity to have them, like, I forget, what what is it called when they're like, labor, labor down? Labor down, yeah. 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 So um, there was none of that. Um <laughs> But what there was is I was able with the background that I had from from like practicing the breathing and the the bloom breath, which was just yeah. like so important for me. Um, I was able to do that while also kind of accommodating this whole like bear down thing and hold your breath and bear down. So I was mm-hmm. kind of doing a mashup. Mm-hmm. I was I was using that experience of the breathing and of the bloom breath and of the continual opening. 
um, with the the situation, right? Yeah. Like, that's, yep. that's what you have to do. Yeah. Um, and overall, it went great. I mean, I will say my epidural worked worked perfectly. I did not really feel much. Mm-hmm. Um, bearing down is quite hard. That's hard work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My husband was awesome. He was helping me like lift my head and <laughs> helping with a little extra. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so first, first boy came out and everything looked good. Um, he was born at four and a half pounds mm-hmm. and, um, with, uh, with baby B, my second boy, he did everything fine. He didn't do any weird flips and turns. We didn't need the reach in. Um, he came out 22 minutes later yeah. and, um, he was born at three and a half pounds. Um, so their weights on the premature and the premature age meant that they were going to be in the NICU, um, which I did not prepare for either. And mm-hmm. that is a whole nother mental gymnastics experience, but mm-hmm. they were amazing. The mm-hmm. boys are healthy and taken care of. And overall, as some good friends told me, you know, like the pregnancy is amazing and it's such a, such an experience, but really like that's nine months. And then you have the kids and you have them for, hopefully 40, 50, 60 more years of your life, you know? Yeah. So like, yeah. that's, that's where we are now. It's five months later. We're working yeah. on like, yeah, you're in it. You're in it. It's we're like, in it. We're in yes. it. Working on making little people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Like, I, I think it's so helpful for people to hear and even things you learned along the way. Um, and how did you find, cause I know you mentioned your doula wasn't going to come into a more active labor. When did she end up joining you and kind of what, how did she help support you and your partner kind of through the rest of birth? Yeah. So she was in text communication with us the whole time. So my husband mm-hmm. was constantly giving her updates. Like this is what's happening now. This is what's happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think she joined us around sometime early morning. I mm-hmm. want to say like maybe 6am. Um, and she was with us until basically that whole, that whole time, right. Until like 11, until mm-hmm. they whisked me away and she was there. And my, my poor husband, he had been planning on working for at least another couple of weeks. And so he was like doing everything he did to be with me. And then also like trying to like, trying to do everything, basically trying to work. And so it was good to have the doula there because she was great with being like, okay, you need to put your work down now and go take yeah. care of this whole baby baby labor thing. Yeah. Um, so that was also a good help. Yeah. That's amazing. It's good for people to hear that she support kind of both of you in that. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and how was, how was recovery after I know with the boys being in the NICU and that is a, it is a lot, um, on, on you and on them and on your husband too, kind of with that, were you kind of, were you in the hospital for a while and then back and forth or kind of how long, um, were they in the NICU for? Yeah, so I was in the hospital for two days after. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in the NICU for a little under two weeks, a little over two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of what of I was um, at thirty two weeks before, you know, when I was admitted, I was just under thirty three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to get transferred actually to a level three NICU hospital. Um, which ended up being about 45 minutes away from our house that we hadn't even considered being an option. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
that's where I gave birth and they were amazing, but it is, it was 45 minutes away. So we would basically commute every day after I got discharged, mm-hmm. um, while I was, while I was in the hospital going through the labor and staying, um, staying there in recovery, my husband stayed the whole time, um, mm-hmm. for the most part. So he was sleeping on the couch, but we were there near the NICU to see the boys and all that stuff. So that was mm-hmm. convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once, once we got discharged and went home, we were driving over to see them every day, um, spending like most of the afternoon basically over there every day. And um, overall, my recovery was pretty straightforward. It was pretty good. Um, I, you know, they prescribed some basic painkillers and, um, you know, I wasn't exerting myself, obviously, other than, you know, getting in the car and going to see the boys, but yeah. definitely like carefully getting in the car and carefully getting out of the car <laughs> like, mm-hmm. cars probably are not the the best thing to be doing when you're in recovery from from labor but uh from birth but um but you know do what you have to do so yeah, yeah we would go see the boys every day and spend hours there and um uh, so overall just taking it easy I did have I think I was um I did have some tearing and so they definitely did some stitching um a couple layers in mm-hmm. um but overall that recovery was was pretty pretty simple pretty easy honestly like hmm. not like compared to everything else I guess it was pretty straightforward yeah 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 and that's yeah it helps it helps for others here too and I I do find I notice a lot of you know clients and those in bumped birth who do have little ones in the NICU where it, yeah, it's not ideal to have to like get up and move and get out of the house and stuff, but sometimes it almost forces you to, once once you get there, you're kind of, you're sitting most of the time that you're not having to be up and moving a lot too. So I sometimes find that that can help a bit because um, it almost forces you not to move a lot, but in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things, there's so much, the mental and emotional part of going through that too is a lot. Um, how did you, how did you find staff with that in terms of that, um, support like in the NICU um afterwards um the the NICU staff honestly all were fabulous like it was a really great I don't know if you've heard this before probably have but like everyone says oh if you if you end up in the NICU you'll actually come out knowing a lot more right because you have all these really expert people who are showing Mm -hmm. you how to feed your baby how to change your diaper how to change diapers how to Mm -hmm. just care for them and like what could this mean and what could that mean and so and just like learning things from each of the each of the nurses, their different styles, mm-hmm. their skills, their experiences, um, mm-hmm. was definitely definitely a, a plus. I wouldn't wish the NICU on anyone who like who could not, because mm-hmm. um, it is very stressful. Just because even if so, the boys actually came out breathing on mm-hmm. their own, which was awesome. I did do the steroid shot a couple days before we gave birth, mm-hmm. so that helped in case that there was any issues. Um, but so their NICU experience was mostly just learning to feed on their own um, mm-hmm. and regulate their temperature on their own. Um, and so it could have been a lot worse, but at the same time, it was still super stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, now I was able to get full night's sleep, which I guess is, there's pros and cons, right? Like I was yeah. home without the boys, mm-hmm. so I was able to, to, to sleep, but at the same time, like, constantly worrying about them constantly worrying about getting a phone call from the NICU that something had gone wrong or something like that like Mm -hmm. it it was um 
it was a different kind of recovery mm-hmm. and, and bonding. I mean, the bonding yeah. is just so different. Yeah. And I know one question I find, um, anyone I've worked with who they've had that NICU experience, um, they end up asking beforehand, like, I wish I knew a bit more about the feeding side of things. Like, how did you find the support, whether with bottle feeding or breastfeeding or however feeding went for you and the boys? What what was that journey like, if you're able to share? Yeah, so um, the lactation was probably the, the, the worst experience, like, not worst mm-hmm. as in it was terrible, but it was just like the least helpful the least empowering like lactation really was not very supportive um they were available and they did do some like if I requested them they would come and we would we would try doing some breastfeeding with the boys I had an experience where after I want to say maybe five days we tried Mm -hmm. um breastfeeding and um it was exhausting and stressful and emotionally exhausting and physically exhausting for me and the boys. Mm-hmm. And, um, the next day they ate less. Um, and so I was like, well, I want them to eat and gain weight. So I'm not going to try that again for a while. Right. So I think mm-hmm. that, tr- that even though I really wanted to be able to, to breastfeed, um, and you know, I couldn't have known, we wouldn't have known, but I would have waited a little longer to, to try breastfeeding with them than when I did. I would have waited for them to be a little, have a little bit more weight, be a little bit more um, strong with their bottle feeding because that's also, they mm-hmm. were tube fed for at least a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, the smaller of the two was tube fed for at least a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they'll do is they'll bottle feed them and then if they don't finish the bottle, they'll they'll tube feed them the rest because the amount of calories they, they need is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so we definitely learned some good techniques for bottle feeding and paste bottle feeding, which is like the, the most current way you're no longer worried about like air bubbles. You're actually worried about, you want to keep them to the side because you're worried about them being able to feed gently. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the bottle feeding technique you definitely get because that's a little more Western. That's a little more scientific. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the nurturing, the breastfeeding and that kind of stuff, um, wasn't as supportive and then I had that that one experience where I was like oh I don't want them losing weight like that really worried me so that deterred me Mm -hmm. a bit more Mm -hmm. um yeah and also one of the boys has a bit of a tongue tie and so he's never really Mm -hmm. been into latching much um the other one actually the younger one has a better latch even though he was smaller Mm -hmm. um so I'll breastfeed him occasionally but overall because of the weight gain and just really wanting them to be healthy and you can measure from a bottle. You can't measure from a breast. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just mostly done the bottle. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for sharing that because I find that's a journey that people don't always hear about in terms of just how how that experience was after. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for sharing like your pregnancy, your birth story, postpartum. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's listening, who's expecting? You've given amazing advice through the whole episode, so you can repeat <laughs> anything you would like, but yeah, what would be some key things you would recommend? I think that as much as you're mentally able preparing for the contingency plans, um, I think really is important. Like even if things are going great for your pregnancy and you're super healthy and the baby's super healthy, just 
just a little bit, like having like a taster of like, okay, what is the NICU and what is the, what, what are the potential things that could happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's some good books out there that go through some of that. Um, mm-hmm. but reading a 400 page book is not something that you're necessarily going to do. So yeah. doing a little bit of preparation, looking on YouTube or whatever, mm-hmm. I think that that that's probably the most universal thing mm-hmm. um, that could stave off like this kind of all of a sudden, oh no, like, what is this? Like, what do I have to deal with? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for that, Shoshana, and for sharing about your journey and the boy's journey and Excited to hear that everyone's doing well and they're five months. I still can't get over that. They're already five months. Um, Gosh, and yeah. they're, so Ezra's my older one. He's like at least 17 pounds now. He's a normal baby weight. He was just like, forget this preemie life. I'm normal baby. Yeah. And then my, and then Lior is like at least 12 pounds now, which is just mind blowing considering he's born at three and a half pounds. So it's just amazing. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Shoshana, for being on. I know the listeners are really going to appreciate hearing your experiences. Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice to share with you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 